Yes, brother, Hezekiah was afraid of getting his fingers dirty. Morning! Yeah, I hope you don't mind. I got up a little early, so I took the liberty of milking your cow for you. Yeah, it took a little while to get her warmed up. She sure is a stubborn one. Then pow, all at once. We don't have a cow. We have a bull. Ah. I'll brush my teeth. Get ready! Woo! We are on tour, and we're doing it better than anybody else alive! This is the Cutline Podcast with your host, Michael Cavalunis. This heart for the PGA Championship. Big shout out to voiceover guy. Solid work again. And this week, the cut line breaks down the second major number two of the year. The PGA Championship at Kiwa Island and the Ocean Course. We're looking at one of the most difficult courses in the USA. And we're going to get live looks at golfers. PGA pros that might just get a tad angry this weekend, that might struggle just a little bit. But my favorite thing that's not getting a lot of traction this weekend, Jordan Spieth is realistically in position to complete the career grand slam. Huge if he does. It's going overlooked. Seriously overlooked. Come on, man. Come on. Hello, Canada. Hello, USA. Hello, UK. Australia, Germany, Sweden, Spain, Ireland, New Zealand. What's up, Minnesota? Oofta. Oofta. Indiana, Hoosier Nation, Florida, Carolina, Cali, Illinois. Give a shout out to Wisconsin and all the cheese they're producing. Where else we at? Vegas, no DFS, but you're still listening, and I love it. Out in New York, out in Jersey, out in Connecticut, out in Pennsylvania. We are everywhere. In Michigan, they love us in Michigan. I feel like the president, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just, boom, we're everywhere. Cut line, nailing every slate. 
Lots of love going to every state, and that's a part of the Cutline listenership. Look, the Cutline can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud. So if you want to continue putting together strong lineups, make sure you subscribe. To our returning listeners... What can I bring for you on this glorious afternoon? Well, Hector, here's the game plan. You're going to bring us two absolute martinis. You know how I like them, straight up. And then precisely seven and one half minutes after that, you're going to bring us two more. Then two more after that every five minutes until one of us passes the fuck out. <laughs> Excellent strategy, sir. Uh, I'm, I'm good with water for now, though. Thank you. It's his first day on Wall Street. Give him time. And if it's your first time listening to the cut line. What? Did we just become best friends? Yep. I'm Michael Kevin Lunas at Lunas on Twitter. Excited to watch big boy golf after the embarrassment that was TPC Craig Ranch last weekend. I, for one, never enjoy a course that can just be torn apart by tour pros. So give me some pleasure here this weekend. I want this to be miserable. At least I hope. Is it going to be U.S. helping challenging? I'm not sure. The wind right now, not looking too frightening. But still, it's coastal. It's Carolina. Anything can happen. But before we get going, a quick word from our sponsor. You want to stay covered after being wet, but your towel just won't let. Robes are heavy and hot, and towels with fasteners? I think not. Now there's the wearable towel. The towel with arm openings. The wearable towel keeps you totally covered and gives you the freedom to use your hands. Great for getting the paper. Ideal to wear before a swim and perfect to wear with family and friends. It's ultra absorbent. First class in quality and comes in red, white, and blue. What's totally amazing is there are absolutely no fasteners. The wearable towel is unisex and can be worn in a tunic style and in a toga style. This is not sold in store, so hurry while supplies last. Call right now, you'll qualify for the wholesale discount price of only $19.95. As an added bonus, we'll give you this backpack absolutely free. So hurry act now and call 1-866-618-6444. I get how you're feeling. You get out of the shower, and you gotta dry yourself with that old-fashioned towel. You know, the towel you wipe your arms, your legs, your body with, and then you wrap it around your body? No, no, no. The wearable towel gets rid of all that inconvenience and lets you wear a towel wherever you want. The best part? Turn it into a toga. Toga party. All you college kids out there. Whew. But, wearable towel, sponsor the cut line. Get yours today. Find it anywhere, I'm sure, online. The Cutline is here to bring you in-depth DraftKings analysis of the PGA Championship at Kiwa Island, the ocean course in the Carolina. We're gonna do the best we can. You changed the samples, didn't you, huh? You switched the samples. You falsified his research so that our DU-90 could be approved in... Devlin McGregor could give you Provasic. To give you the best opportunity to cash on Sunday, we'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside send traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. If you're blue and you don't know where to go to, why don't you go where fashion sits?
And the goal of the cut line is to make sure that not only is your tournament lineup in the green, but your bankroll is smashing, cashing. Six of six lineups through loan plays and better lineups is the end game here. Ultimately, we want to make Sunday a fun day with plenty of wieners. Winners with six of six through the cut line. Smash and grab. Smash. Cash. Winning. Always a special shout out to Fan Share Sports. Look, it's Wednesday night. You don't know where ownership's going in this slate. The guys I trust, Fan Share Sports and FanshareSports.com. Easy fix to get this ownership projections. Go to Fanshare Sports. Type in the discount code CUTLINE and receive 20% off your monthly membership. Remember, ownership is not a leverage to be belittled. The second major championship of the 2021 PGA Tour season, the PGA Championship. Needless to say, being a major, this DraftKings field is loaded. What's even scarier? The 7,800 yards of coastal winds and a peat die design that's going to challenge every golfer even if they have a range finder, which I'm kind of upset about, but still, they're using them. So that takes us to the course report, and you can find this on CutlineGolf.com. CutlineGolf.com is your number one resource for free DFS content. We just, literally just, probably in the last, I don't know, five, ten minutes released the simulator tool it's customizable put in your own category weights whether you want to look at the 2021 season tournament history if you want to look at the fact that you can wait the last seven scheduled pga tournaments of course that's going to be varying for each golfer some are playing more than others if you think the course could play more difficult make your modifications you want to add more randomness to this course you can do that too. The simulator is there for you. It's a tool. Every golfer is simulated 10,000 times to produce drafting scoring, average finishing position, cut in every scenario that you wish to see and for every golfer that is on the slate. Cutlinegolf.com. Now, about Kiwa Island. The golfers will have to manage coastal winds, a major championship, and a course length that has never been seen in a PGA major event. It'll stretch out longer than 7,800 yards and thus making it the longest in major championship history. Little known is the fact that Kiwa Island built multiple tee boxes for this event due to how violent the winds can become. So if we do see torrential gusts, the grounds crew can easily shorten this course if necessary. So does not necessarily mean that every day we're going to be playing 7,800 yards if that wind just makes it unbearable. So the course prides itself in the fact that they have more holes next to the Atlantic, literally, than any other course in the United States. Six holes are going to play over 500 yards, and distance will be at a premium, maybe, but more on that later. Being that this is a major, the PGA Tour is looking to make this as difficult as possible. Being a coastal course leads to a pros to potential big numbers thanks to wind gusts that could blow off the ocean. The undulation in the fairways could lead to tough lie angles, and it could be a recipe for disaster for anyone who struggles in windy conditions. While we would typically see Bermuda grass in the rough, the weather still hasn't changed in order for it to have ideal growing conditions. You're going to see a thick track. 
everywhere outside the fairway, but the grass has been overseeded with its winter kernel of rye grass. So it won't be as miserable as Bermuda, so it could potentially play easier out of the rough. It's still going to play difficult, though. I have read, though, that the warm spring is allowing the uh, paspalum to thicken, and that's very salt-resistant. So that's why that has been planted there as well. Most know that this was home of Rory's PGA win in 2012, yet more famous was that the 1991 Ryder Cup, which is also known the War on the Shore, UK won that. As it did in those environments, the fairs will play a little tighter while the rough will be allowed to get plenty thick. Driving distance is going to be the main topic this week. In a fine that its effect is limited in the fact that this course is only, only 200 yards longer than it was in 2012. That's nine years ago. Okay. And the advances in golf technology is going to mitigate this additional distance tremendously. And just for fun, 200 divided by 18 is 11.1 yards per hole. Now, I know that this is not a linear relationship and every hole was lengthened by 11 yards. But you understand where we're going. This isn't a massive change for PGA Tour pros and what they are typically used to. Look at how golfers struggle in adversity rather than how long they are to give yourself an edge in line of construction this week. While distance is always an important factor, it does not directly correlate to winners at this course. Again, the architect, Pete Dye. Bermuda grass green, stint meter is going to be 12 or faster. 7,876 yards, a par 72. The Atlantic Ocean is obviously everywhere for this course but there are three holes with marshes and inlets and bunkers guess what there are really no bunkers that are in play but there is a beach so careful with that um weather forecast looking at this week there is winds up to 10 to 20 miles per hour for thursday and friday if you guys are looking to attack uh attack tea time waves there's no advantage thursday but you get a slight break in the AM wave on Friday, I'm not sure if it's significant enough to make a difference, but the thing is you're looking at gusts up to 25 miles per hour. Looking at the future forecast, after the cut, the wind dies down. The wind dies down. So that's going to play measurably favorable for your better golfers. It's still a tough track regardless if the wind is there or not. So your better golfers are going to be able to do better here. Past winners of the PGA Championship, 2020 Colin Morikawa, Brooks Keppo and back-to-back, Justin Thomas in 2017, and Jimmy Walker. Yes, that Jimmy Walker in 2016. Key stats for me this weekend, strokes gained, tee to green, scrambling, three-putt avoidance, bogey avoidance, greens in regulation, and strokes gained off the tee. I will add a little bit of distance in there, obviously, to help kind of not like to just to not necessarily match what I think most people are going to weigh it at, but just to make sure I have aspects of distance in my, in my models, similar courses, whistling straights, Beth page, black quail, hollow, Royal port rush and Carnoustie. Gotta love those link style courses over in the UK. Whew. All right. Let's figure out who we're going to play this weekend. Two putts from victory. Only needs one. Ooh, got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. So this is the Cut Lines Birdie Your Better segment where we look at the top tier 
the 11K range all the way down to the 7K range and looking for our favorite plays of all DraftKings pricing for this weekend's PGA Tournament. But before, before we get into those picks and plays, let's go dancing. Dance floor time. Let's do it. So this is the dance floor where we're going to go over build strategy for this weekend's PGA Tournament. Look, you need to get your golfers right six of six. You need to get them high in the standings. The question is, how different do you need to get? I think what people tend to do in these major tournaments is they build from the top down. Reverse your build strategy. Build from the bottom up. Make your lower price plays, strong plays that you like, and fill in at the top based on the amount of salary allocation that you have. Stronger players, the better players, the best players tend to win these majors. We we looked at the course report, right? We saw the top players in the world that have won this tournament before. And the only two names that really stood out in the last eight years were Duffner and Jimmy Walker. Other than that, Morikawa, obviously a great golfer. Roy McIlroy, going to be in the Hall of Fame. Brooks Kepka twice. Justin Thomas. Jason Day, all amazing at their craft. Obviously, we have two outliers. And let's be realistic. They're, they're not that bad of a golfer. They just hit it on the screws the weekends that they won. Um, so be conscientious of that. Build process two. You can eat chalk this weekend, and you can get different in a variety of ways. So don't be afraid to do that, but you can't play everyone. Stick to your guns. You're going to have to bank on randomness, and hopefully it goes your way. Last thing about the dance floor here, I think people are going to weight driving distance way too high. Way too too high not to say that it won't make things easier for guys who can hit it farther but if you're scrambling and you can't do that well if you can't putt if you're getting penalized for wayward drives that are ending up out of bounds you're not going to win this tournament i get it bryson dechambeau 330 some yards 340 yards but here's the thing if he's out b he ain't going to be playing past Friday. He is going to be on that private jet heading home to Dallas, and he's going to stay there. His ass is going to stay there. So I think a lot of people are going to build top down this week. I don't think that's the best strategy. I think if you want to get unique, you want to get different, you want to get some unique guys at the top of the board in your lineups, build from the bottom up. It's going to be the best strategy that I'm going to utilize this weekend, and I think it's going to immediately make me different in every GPP contest and strategy. For my three maxes, I'm going to look to core maybe three golfers, at most four, and I'm going to core those guys in all of my three maxes. Of course, the core will switch in every three max just to get some differentiation. In my 20 max, I will again look to core maybe 20 or, I'm sorry, in my player pool, not my core, my player pool, looking for a tight one, 20 to 24. And we're going to allocate um, the appropriate amount of ownership uh, to that as well. 
If you're not using an optimizer, that's hard to do. We're building some kind of tool for you guys to utilize on cutlinegolf.com, and we'll see if that can get that up here in the next couple weeks. Regardless, though, check out the simulator. The simulator you can uh, manipulate and create your own variety of golfers. So it's kind of interesting, kind of cool. Make sure you check that out. All right, let, let's get back to the birdie or better segment. We are looking here at this top tier, this top tier range of Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, Dustin Johnson, John Rahm, Bryson DeChambeau, and Jordan Spieth. I'm going to say this. From an ownership perspective, we all know that Jordan Spieth's recent form is going to allocate the highest amount of ownership. Rory McIlroy at 11500 Can you build all the right pieces in one lineup to have success? Obviously, Rory has the top three at 11.5. Justin Thomas, same difference. Dustin Johnson, though, at 10,900. This is the boat we're in with this 10,000 group. We need them to do well. If they don't top five, we're not going to be cashing big in our GPPs. Sure, they might be part of our six of sixes, but remember, it's about optimal lineups, optimal lineup build strategy. If these guys are not in the top 10, top five, more than likely you are not going to be in the top 10, top five of your GPPs and guaranteed price pool. All right, so let's start with Rory. He's coming back to a place he's won before. He has won the PGA Championship here, and, and let's be frank, he dominated. He dominated. And of course, he's coming off a win at Quail Hollow, where he looked fantastic. The thing I like about him, fairways and models for me, 26th, approach, 9th, scoring, 15th. But my overall stat model, number 19 in my confidence model, enters the top 10. He's a solid win player, and that's what I'm looking for. And he's one of the best players in the field in the win, um, simply from his upbringing and where, where, uh, where he... Uh, basically you know built the stones back in ireland so it'll be interesting to see for the pga championship history he is four or five made cuts with an average finishing position of 28th place in the last five years especially a 33rd place finish in 2020 his best finish in that span 2019 and eighth place finish jt of course won in 2017 sixth in 2018 did not play in 2019 due to injury 37th in 2020 uh, did make the cut in 2016, but looked atrocious and finished 66th. Again, JT looking good so far this year. Arguably, in my opinion, golfer of the year. Won the players, looking solid, competitive in every tournament so far this season. In my confidence model, ranks number two. Aggregate model number eight. Overall stat model number 10. Here's the thing I love, though. I ran three types of projections this weekend, and this is not including the simulation model. For just the weekend projections, he projects third. For the course style projections, 12th. Tournament style, ninth. So that's an aggregate, that's an average of over of, of top 10 finishing with all three projections. When you look at Rory, on the other hand, the style projections, he's 36th. And part of that is recent form, right? Part of that is like, before Rory's win, we were curious when we were going to see Rory win again on tour. So it, it it's nice to see that come to fruition. He's coming into this tournament hot with a win under his belt. I just think that that price tag for both these guys is is you're going to have to take risk elsewhere, and it's uncomfortable risk, right? And of course, it's going to be down in that seven k range that you're going to have to take that risk. Um. I don't necessarily love playing these guys here at the top, but I am going to have pieces of them in my uh, mass multi-entries. So we'll be looking at that. Dustin Johnson is is 
is actually coming in pretty more, pretty popular based on what I had speculated before. I thought he would kind of just be not necessarily left for dead, but single-digit ownership. But right now we're looking at 13% ownership. That's second behind Jordan Spieth in this top tier. People are getting fooled by the injury. Obviously, they saw him flipping off a boat, right? Um, thank you, fiance. I'm sure he was very happy to see her do that. But the thing is, though, if if that's the case, if he is not injured and it was all you know a fake, a fluke, which which I think we can all assume that it was, that you are looking at a golfer who is more prone to dominating this course due to his length, due to his ability, and simply said is a solid and amazing player. Won the won the Masters in November. Has been kind of off. And I and that's another reason I thought that people would kind of like shy away from Dustin Johnson. But let's be frank, like in my you know confidence model, he ranks number 13. In my overall stat model, he ranks uh number 34. So it, it's pretty key to see here that He's looking solid as a, as a great play. And I'm thinking that DJ coming in this weekend, hopefully lower owned, hopefully some reason like his ownership comes like suppressed. I do think he's a viable option. I don't think you need to go crazy though because he's $10,900. He, he fits the mold that we're looking for here. He does. Okay. We love major champions coming into major events. Aggregate model, top 25. You look at the power rankings, power building. You know, Dustin Johnson sneaks all the way down to number 15. So it's not like he's a lock for a, like a solid play, like when you're looking at someone like JT or Rory. But, um, you know, it's something I want to point out that hopefully this ownership changes. Now, John Rahm... John Brown is really ranking really high in a lot of my models. Number nine in the overall stat model, fifth in aggregate model, third in confidence ranking. In terms of like Lee Aldrich's course suitability metric, he ranks number 22. Like there's a lot of upside for John Rahm, but he just had his kid. It's it's like the second curse of death to that of getting married on PGA Tour. It, it, it's just the worst thing. He did miss the cut at the Wells Fargo, came back to the Byron Nelson, got 34th. I just don't think that those top golfers, their hearts were not in that course. It was awful, by the way. I I, I, I didn't even want to gloss over how bad the Byron Nelson was in terms of just like the event itself. Uh, like good for KH Lee. He'll be at Augusta. Great, wonderful, awesome. But come on, man. KH Lee winning that tournament, it's, it's kind of embarrassing. But having said that, going back to Ron, last five last five rounds, he's only lost strokes putting, and that's barely. But he's gained strokes on approach, looks solid off the tee, and four and a half uh, strokes gain off uh, uh, from tee to green. So we're looking at John Rahm, who I think could potentially be a factor here this weekend. That I think that's evidence to say it's John Rahm, right? We're we're not going to deviate from John Rahm, regardless of the fact that he just got married, regardless of the fact that like he's in a new stage of his life. And I talked about it last week, how he's adjusting. Like his training schedule is different. He, he has, he has to be a father now. Okay. So it's a little bit different for John Rahm. Last caveat I want to mention, it is a major championship, but he's not a very strong putter on bent greens. Um, and he's 
I'm sorry, on Bermuda. In fact, it's his worst putting surface by far. But he is a solid win player, so so we'll take that into account. In the last 36 rounds, Rom is pretty dominant. 29th in strokes gain or in, uh, in good drives, 13th in driving distance, 6th in tee to green, 7th in ball striking, 18 in birdie or better gain, 29th in approach, and 4th off the tee. So he's looking pretty solid in the last 36 rounds to where I think he's a viable option. He's coming in at just above single-digit ownership at this point in time. I've run ownership twice over at Fanshare Sports. You can check that out at fanshare-sports.com. But um, it, it'll be interesting to see where Rom ends up here come lock on Thursday. The people, the player that people seem to not want to play is Bryson DeChambeau. If that number keeps going down, you just have to take shots. He won the U.S. Open, and even though that was more of like a like a drive it as far as you can course, I don't think this course plays that way. And if he's anywhere wayward off the tee, it's going to be a long weekend for Brett. Well, a short one. So I, I I'm just not buying it. We saw this at Augusta, right? He struggled off the tee here or there, and then struggled in approach. He's a solid putter, but if you don't have the greens nailed down, Bryson just never seems to do well, and he does well with courses he's been at before. He does well when he has a greens book that he's studied and meticulously, and I just don't know if we're going to see that Bryson DeChambeau right now. 6% ownership. We're looking at 6% ownership of Bryson DeChambeau. I'm going to say this. If you fade him, bet him. If you play him, bet him. What's the worst? What's the worst thing that could happen? And of course, Jordan Spieth. Jordan Spieth is going for the career Grand Slam. I love it. I want Jordan Spieth to win. I want the career Grand Slam to hit. That's history, man. That is history. Who doesn't want to see history happen for Jordan Spieth? Now, in my confidence model number 23, aggregate model 34, overall stat model 48. And that's because we are weighing the last 50 rounds heavily, more heavily than his recent rounds. His turnaround has come around this year 2021 so it's not going to take into account all of the recent rounds if we wait the recent form he's top 10 but unfortunately we can't because that's just not how i want to do things this week so don't read too much into the model he has not missed a cut here in the last five years with the average finishing position of 25th place in the pga championship so if you want to start somewhere with your cash lineups i think jordan spieth is a lock and a good place to go the fairways are going to be a little bit bigger than anticipated here it's not like tory pines with the u.s open where those things are just going to be tight. Finally, we go to this 9K range. So we got Colin Morikawa, Xander Shoffley, Brooks Kepka, Matsuyama, Victor Hovland, Webb Simpson, and Patrick Reed and Patrick Cantlay. Well, my favorite plays in this range are very simple. We're looking at Patrick Reed. And he's the man that no one wants to play. For whatever reason, everyone seems to dog Patrick Reed. But the guy has proven enough times over that he's an elite golfer. That he can win majors, obviously. And that he's arguably one of the best players on the PGA Tour. Why am I the only one seeing that? Okay. He... Doesn't necessarily, in terms of like our power rankings for this specific range, he ranks tied for six with Cantley, but we'll get more on Cantley later. But the point is, like, I think Reed really fits this course with that baby draw. He's going to be able to hit like solid shots, like into the win, 
Uh, he'll hit that low runner. It'll draw. It'll look good. Overall stat model ranks 44th. Confidence model 31st, but just does fit this course in my mind. And you see that in the projections. In this weekend's projections, ranks top 10 in terms of style projections. Course style projections, number two. Okay, number two overall. So Reed is looking good. When we look at my simulator model, and the and this is how we're running it right now. We got we got 45% allocated to 2021, 44% allocated to the PGA championship and the results for them there. Recent form is about 11%. Our randomness is set to four, and we did not do any manual call course factors. Okay, Patrick Reed looking at a ninth place projection for for DraftKings points. Average finishing position is top 30. Misses the cut only 24% of the time. Has a win equity, a win share percentage of 2.1% and a top 10 percentage of 14.4. This is the power of the simulator, man. This are the numbers that we are looking for. Where can we take advantage of cash builds? Where can we take advantage in, in, in our GPP structures where we have potential leg up on why a player is projecting so well? So... I'm looking forward to this. So I, I I think I'm going to be big on Reed this weekend. I think there's a lot of reasons to be. His ownership is suppressed at 10%. Thank you, Victor Hovland, by the way. Victor Hovland going to be the chonk donkey at 28%. So we're going to go to Reed there. Um, going to go back up to the top to to Morikawa and Xander. Morikawa obviously coming off the defense of last year's PGA Championship. Solid win player. A pinpoint ball striker. He's in play. Like You can't just throw Colin Morikawa aside. But Xander Shoffley is where I have the most interest this weekend. And X has consistently been in top fives, top tens for, for multiple majors. You look at the PGA Championship specifically, he missed the cut in 2017. Since then, 35th, 16th, and 10th. Average finish, finishing position at 20th. You get a few more putts in there, and you're in the top 10. At Xander at 9,600, I'll take that. Ownership right now is a little bit high. 15%, but still, I'll, I'll eat it with the guy who's ranking number five in my confidence model, number 13 in my aggregate model, and top 25 in my overall stat model. When you look at his recent form, Xander, you know, he looks good. 11th in driving distance, 24 in good drives, 19th in strokes gained T to green. That T to green stat is something I'm weighing very heavily this week. Um, so that that is something we're looking at. But Xander's a solid play here. When you look at the next play, and I think people are going to shy away, and that's Brooks Kepka. Look, it's Brooks Kepka. He he won back to back, back to back PGA Championships. Back to back. If you think that he missed the cut last weekend just because he's bad or his knee hurt, I'm not buying it. I'm going to take a healthy Kepka. I think we're seeing a, a recovered Kepka since Augusta, obviously, where he struggled mightily from that with that knee injury. But single-digit ownership, it's such a leverage play based on the Brooks Kepka history and peripherals. I get why you would not want to play him. I understand that. But for one of many golfers who have multiple tournaments, at least four, he's the only golfer who has appeared in four PGA championships in the last five years and has an average finishing position in the top 10. 
with no miscuts. That's it. That's impeccable course history. The closest, the second closest with that same metric, the second closest is Jason Day at 7,700. Average finishing position of 11th. No miscuts in the last five years. Swallow that pill. And you want to fade Brooks Kapka? You don't even need a lot to get different in your in your multi mass multi-entries. 6% ownership, right? Let's say you're doing 100 lineups. That's six lineups you're investing Brooks Kepka. Randomness, guys. Take it into account. So Webb Simpson is popping in my power rankings. We always talk about Webb not being the longest hitter. I don't really know if he fits this course that well, but um, it is Webb Simpson. In terms of the style, he ranks uh, 10th, 27th, and then for this weekend, the projections is 6th. I do like Webb, but I need to do a further dive on how he does in these courses, like this course style specifically. So when you look at Webb on these longer, over 7,800 courses, like in just in terms of, you know, the last 36 rounds, he's played in a length that's over 7,400 yards. It's, 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 it's interesting, right? Because Webb typically isn't knowing for his distance. And because of that, he struggles. But the thing is, he's solid in, in T to green. So what are we going to see here? What web are we going to see? Is he going to be limited in his upside because of the distance? Or is his approach game going to be dialed in enough to overcome it? You know, that's a decision that you guys are going to have to make. I think Webb is is worth the ownership play. I think he's worth the pivot, obviously. Um, I'm always a huge Webb Simpson you know, fan in terms of playing him in my DFS lineups because he always comes in under own. Even this week, we we're, we're looking at with this loaded field, he, he's coming in at just a shade under ten percent after two run throws on, on FanShare Sports. So, but that'll about do it for this nine K range. Uh, again, Xander Brooks, Webb Reed are the guys that we're going to highlight. Colin Morikawa, those are those are the golfers that we 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 really want to focus on this weekend here specifically. So. Uh, we're going to go down to this 8K range, and you got a lot of interesting players down here because this is just where I think your build process should be, like starting. And the guys I like, I, I don't like Will Zalatoris. I don't. I might have heard this wrong, but he might have just gotten engaged. Isn't that the kiss of death on the PGA Tour and the guy's like 23 years old? So uh, that's not why I'm not interested, though. Like, I, I just don't think he necessarily fits this course that well. Um, there are just metrics outside his game and his realm. Like, he doesn't putt well. So that, that that's a detriment. If he's not putting, he's not scoring. He's incredible off the tee. Don't get me wrong. But, I mean, he's not immensely successful this is his first pga championship everyone's going to remember the masters but the, but the masters is way different than you know kiwa kiwa island it, it, it's a different breed of monster and i just don't like zalatoris here um neither does the public though he's sub 10 percent. so if you do want to take that risk be all, by all means be my guest so going to those next next plays here in this 8k range I do really like Daniel Berger, Finau, Scheffler, Fitzy, Sungjae, Fleetwood, and Rose. <laughs> Basically the whole 8K range. I do like them. A few guys I don't like, but we'll get to them a little bit later. But but uh, a guy who seems to be popping in this 8K range is Daniel Berger. And 
he's kind of underpriced, right? Like, first of all, the history of Berger in 2021 is a very huge roller coaster. Like, he, he started just super quick, super fast back in January. Ever since then, like, kind of just has been quiet. And I don't mean, like, quiet in a bad way. It's just, like, he's not winning, so he's kind of going under the radar, right? He's not a top play week in and week out just because people are focusing on that course history. But let's, let's be frank third at the Byron Nelson 13th at the RBC heritage burn people at the masters missed the cut, but ninth at the players 35th at WGC max AT&T pro-am first place, right? Seventh at the Sony 10th at the TOC. He's on fire this year. You know, you take away that miscut at the masters and the waste management Phoenix open. And it's an incredible season that we're looking at here for, for Berger. Uh, if you look at the last 36 rounds on these long courses, he does struggle with distance. Don't get me wrong, but he's a, just an elite ball striker and he is solid off the tee where he will hit fairways. So that could potentially lead to some upside, especially with the wind behind you. It'll lead to scoring opportunities. If you're able to, to like gouge that win correctly and, you know, shot shape correctly, get those low trajectories, just out that ball flight. So we will see on um, Berger here this weekend. Fino, kind of the same boat. Uh, I'm not going to go into the depths of Tony Fino because we know that he just doesn't win, right? He doesn't win on tour. But having said that, we are projecting him in the simulator to do top 15 damage, are looking at a 1.1% win equity, and 12.6% in the top 10 based on the simulation model that I ran. So, Tony Fino is an option, right? And he's always going to be popular. It's not like he's ever going to hide on a slate at all. And in fact, when you look at the power rankings, Fino ranks fifth in this field. By the way, the, the power rankings go Berger, Scheffler, Fitzy, Hatton, M, Fino, Fleetwood, Zalatorist, Usti, Cam Smith, and Justin Rose. So it'll be interesting to see how like this, this 8K range kind of unfolds. Looking at ownership right now for for Fino, it's currently at around 9%. But the thing I like most about him is is the fact that he's going to grind, right? He's going to grind on this hard course. 24th in my confidence model, 21st in my scoring model, 33rd in my approach model, 53rd off the tee. And that is in part to his last 12 rounds where he's just been terrible, right? But he is one of those golfers that, four or five made cuts at the PGA championship, but he's never done well here with the exception of last year. And while last year was difficult, I don't see a lot of connection in terms of what we're seeing here at Kiwa versus what we saw at Wingfoot. They're very different style courses. One's a municipal course. I just don't think it's going to correlate and that there's going to be some vast differences here. So we could see Finau struggle. Um, Scotty Scheffler, I think is my sleeper for the weekend. I love Scheffler at 8,500, uh, 38th in Lee Aldrich's course suitability metric. But, but what I love most about him is he's 16th in my confidence model, 18th in my aggregate model and 24th in my overall stat model. He's amazing off the tee in terms of accuracy and distance. And he's a solid ball striker and solid in approach. When you look at his recent form here, and you're, you're looking specifically at the fact that, Scheffler is 21st in good drives, right? But the rest is kind of like middling to the field. He He's just kind of hovering in the middle of that realm. But what I love about him is that he almost gains four strokes in the wind. And we talk about the current forecast, right? 
It's windy Thursday. It's windy Friday. Saturday, Sunday, that wind subsides, and you have potential for Scheffler to 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 just go out there and dominate. But he gains so many strokes in the wind. Biggest issue, obviously, with Scheffler, as it is with every golfer, most golfers, is the putter. If the putter goes cold, you're going to have a long weekend, even if you miss the cut. Example would be last weekend, the Byron Nelson. Made the cut, finished 47th, ruined a top 40 bet I had on him, a top 30 bet I had on him, a top 20 bet I had on him, just because he couldn't putt, and he was bad on approach. Lost two strokes on approach, almost lost two strokes putting, and so it led to a 47th place. But we have seen the upside there. Um, did miss the cut the players, but we saw, you know, at the Masters an 18th place finish, the Valspar 29th. Um, I think he's just really fine-tuning his game for this opportunity and this ability to to potentially dominate this course. When you look at um, his course history here for the PGA Championship, played here last year, got fourth place. So a top five in, in, in your first time here is pretty good. So we'll totally take that. I am going to lean Euro players when I need to make a decision. They're more used to this link style course. They're used to the wind conditions. And that's why I really like Fitzpatrick, Fleetwood. And um, I'll even throw him in this one, in this category and section, just because, you know, he plays overseas a lot. But the thing is, is that Fleetwood and, and Fitzpatrick are going to go way under the radar compared to someone like Justin Rose and Terrell Hatton who I think are going to get overexposed in terms of like overall golfing. Fitzy's the best one, in my opinion, even, even in current form. But it's just, you look at this build process and we're, we're going to flip that upside down. The power rankings got Fitzy and then Hatton, then M and Rose is at the bottom, right? And Fleetwood sitting there kind of middling at fifth place um, in our power rankings for the 8k range. So, It'll be interesting to see where, where we go with this. I think I like the fact that Justin Rose is solid in the wind. I like the fact that Finau and Berger are solid in the wind. And I know that Scheffler and Fitzy and him and Fleetwood all play pretty decently as well in that kind of environment. Like, that's what makes it kind of difficult. Things I don't like, though, like Fleetwood is 94th in birdie or better gains right now. And, and honestly, he is not the DFS darling that he was just a few years ago. But, the thing, you know, he's going to gain strokes in the wind. And, and we saw him kind of bust a slate at the Wells Fargo with a 14th place finish. Gained strokes everywhere and just looked kind of like the old Tommy Fleetwood of old. So there are, there are options there. Sungjae, he was a, a play for last weekend as well. Here's the issue with Sungjae, though. Like, if, if Thursday and Friday the wind gets higher in the forecast kind of changes for a little bit more of a breeze. Sungjae tends to struggle in real windy conditions. So careful with his exposure levels in your lineups. I know for a fact that I will not be playing Sungjae in my single entry or my three max, just because of how volatile these wins can get, how quickly they can change. And I just don't want to see Sungjae in that situation to where I'm going to be playing him in my lineups and banking on a six of six with a guy who's just, historically been very bad in the wind. Justin Rose, Terrell Hatton, we're going to round it out here. I don't really have a lot of love for Usti, but um, he's not really popping in any of my models, minus my projection systems. But going back to Rose and Hatton, in my overall stat model, Hatton ranks number 20. In my confidence model, both rank in the top 50. The thing I like most is that the PGA Championship 
Hatton's missed two cuts in the last five years, last year and in 2017, while Justin Rose has only missed one cut in the last five years. The question I have for Rose is if this course is too long for him, if the course is going to be something that is going to be a major detriment to him succeeding this weekend, that's kind of like where I am at on Rose. I, I have not been a fan of his recent form. I, I understand that he finished seventh at the Masters. I get that. I kind of feel, though, like he pulled a horseshoe out of his ass, right? He missed the cut at the Valspar. 54th at WGC. Missed the cut at the RSM. You know, and we're well aware of how course history plays such a massive role in your success at Augusta. Like, he's he's not played here. So, like, I question this ownership for Justin Rose, which I feel is only going up. Um, I'm noticing some trends for him to go up. So, all right. So, let's go down this 7K range. And, again, we are looking at a range that just has so many solid plays. And, of course, it's a major championship, right? We're looking at guys that are finally in this 7K range. They're going to make or break your lineups. A lot of people are going to love Abraham answer, and I get it. I get the play here. Um, I saw that he put bones on his bag, I think. Um, if I read that right on Twitter, that he got bones to caddy for him this weekend just for the PGA Championship. So it'll be interesting to see how they work out. Hopefully they're one of the featured groups. I've not checked to see the featured groups yet this weekend on um, the PGA Tour app. That's kind of like where we're looking here for this weekend in this tournament on these specific type of plays. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting. So continuing on in this 8K range, or I'm sorry, the 7K range, Adam Scott. Adam Scott right now is not getting a lot of love. Not getting the love that Answer's getting. Not getting the love that Leishman and Connors are getting. Not getting the love that Joaquin Neiman is getting. And this is a guy who obviously we question his recent form all the time, but in terms of like PGA championships, five of five straight made cuts with an average finishing position of 22nd. You get me 22nd at 7,900, I'll take it. I'll take it. All right, we, we are questioning his suspect recent form, but this is a major. I think that's where the caveat comes to play, and it's a little bit different. So like in my confidence model, he ranks 43rd. Aggregate model, 40th. Overall stat model, 50th. But... Man, he just fits this course. He does. Like, his style of golf fits this course. You always got to worry about the putter. Obviously, it's Adam Scott. But the fact is, like, you look at the last 36 rounds, long courses, 24th in birdie or better game, 36th in approach, 36th in strokes gained off the tee, 14th in driving distance. Never been a great accurate driver of the ball, but I don't think you really need a ton of accuracy here to be be successful solid win player um and, and we already kind of mentioned how bad of a putter he is now has been struggling of late 54th was the last time we saw him and that was at the masters 13th 48th the players 54th the wgc mexico so he's taking some time off we'll see how fresh he looks on thursday um, i'm most definitely going to be interested in the player interviews so that's kind of where I'll fit, fit my exposure levels for Adam Scott this weekend. And you guys can find those on um, 
if you if you're looking actually for like PGA interviews, any interview of that kind, you can find them online at asapsports.com, and you can actually look at recent interviews and 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 they'll transcribe them because like you can look at the Byron Nelson interviews right now, asapsports.com. And you could see who talked, what they said. You know, at the Byron, for example, on May 16th, they talked to Stallings, Spieth, KH Lee, Kiz, Burns, Bramlett, Daniel Berger. So you, you could kind of see the form, the things that they're saying, like, you know, how the players are, are playing, how they see the course. So it's key that you guys check that that out as we kind of break this down. But continuing on this 7K range, when you look at it in the simulator, you know, you're looking at, Guys like Ricky Fowler, Grillo, Kiz, Kokrak, who's going to be incredibly popular this weekend. You know, Tringale, Horschel, Siwoo, Harris English. The guys that we've been kind of like really focusing on recently in this 7K range. Here's the thing, though. And I can't believe I'm going to be saying this. My favorite play in terms of like you want to get really freaking different. You want your lineup to just pop and scream different, and you want to eat chalk elsewhere. Play Ricky Fowler. I get it. He's been terrible. But this is the type of course that's a recipe for success for him. It's a long course. He's putting on Bermuda, his best putting surface. Right? This is the PGA Championship. And don't forget, I I still remember the putt that cost... Fowler the cut last year. Do you remember that one inch tapper? He accidentally hit it. I think on like 16 or 17, which cost him the cut. He missed it on the number. I'm pretty sure that's fresh in Ricky Fowler's mind. I am going to take shots on Ricky. I might even take shots on Ricky in like a three max just because I'm that confident that he can turn it around this weekend. Have I seen anything in his game? No, I have not. I can't say in some recent form that that he's shown me that this consistency is going to come back and he's going to be the Ricky of old. But what I did look at are courses that are long, courses that are windy, and we tend to see these at majors. And where has Ricky constantly had success? At major championships. He's $7,000. It's Ricky Fowler. If you need to understand the lulls that golfers go through, just look at Jordan Spieth. Just look at Jordan Spieth. Ricky will recover. You just want to be on him before the rest of the field is. Or then you have a scenario like Jordan Spieth where you miss him the week he goes off. And the following week, you're stuck eating Jordan Spieth chalk. If you don't want to play him, I don't blame you. I don't blame you for not playing Ricky Fowler. But that's my high-risk play. That is my high-risk play at the 7K range. Um... Guys I like, Paul Casey, Jason Day, obviously with the course history, Jason, uh, Paul Casey being you know being from across the pond. He's kind of used to this structure. Same with like Shane Lowry, who did win the Open Championship uh, back in 2018? 2018. So that was the Open Championship. Corey Connors, though, has been on fire as of late. And I think he's a very good option here this weekend to take advantage of you know, someone who's been so good on tour, but is not necessarily getting, I think, the attention he deserves. And this is the second or third week in a row where Corey Connors is popping, yet is just not getting the appropriate respect. So 
Connors in the simulation model. Corey Connors is getting ranked rank 60th in DraftKings points, but but that's with long-term form really focusing on. I, I, I think that like with Connors' recent form and the fact that he's been so good, he's a viable option this weekend. I just don't know how much I'm going to get to him and where I'm going to play him. Um, I know more than likely it'll be kind of in like that 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 MME area where I'll be going to Corey Connors. But but I mean, you look at the last 36 rounds: first in ball striking, seventh tee to green, first in good drives gained. Never been like a long hitter, but I mean, he's not incredibly short either. So um, Corey Connors, one of my favorite plays in this 7K range. I'm going to continue on with uh, God. I can't believe I'm saying this after last weekend. First of all, Sergio Garcia missed that cut on purpose. The third easiest hole on the course was that par three. He bogeyed it and realized that he still could make the cut on the par five. So what do you do with his second shot? He launched it towards the grandstands and then did some half-assed you know, pitch shot. Two-putted for par, missed the cut on the number. It was on purpose if there ever has been a reason or rationale for... Sergio Garcia. And I should have saw it coming, right? He's a Texas resident now. I've talked about this multiple times, okay? So Garcia, though, he's never made a cut at the PGA Championship. I don't expect him to make a cut here. But for whatever reason, his numbers always kind of pop for these kind of events. But I'm just not going to buy it, okay? He's not necessarily can't do it, but I just want to just talk bad about Sergio Garcia just for like one minute or so. All right, so next guy I want to mention is Gary Woodland. Gary Woodland, I think, is underpriced based on what he can do here and what he can accomplish. 37th in my overall stat model, 35th in my aggregate model, 39th in my confidence model. Where he's going to struggle is kind of off the tee, so if he does have a wayward tee shot, it's going to be a long day. The thing I do like, though, four or five made cuts, the PGA Championship is worth finish in those cuts. 58th with two top 10s and a top 25. He did miss the cut though in 2016. So some good course, or I'm sorry, tournament history here. Reason form is suspect at best. He's been struggling with scoring approach and off the tee, but still long-term form looks good. And he's something I'm going to have some interest in here this weekend. So we go to Brian Harmon, Matt Wallace, uh, Garrick Higo, and Charlie Hoffman. First of all, how are people not talking about Garrick? I don't understand how they're not. The guy has been dominating across the sea. The South African has been dominating at the Terrafin Open, tied for eighth. Grand Carnaria Open won the event back in April. Austrian Open tied for fourth. Kenya Savannah Classic did miss the cut, but at the Kenya Open, tied for 16th. He's 70th in the human uh, European Open, tied for 19th at the Qatar Masters. At the Saudi International, won by Dustin Johnson and Finau, he did miss the cut. Obviously, a little bit of a stronger field. Justin Rose, by the way, finished uh, tied for second there, too, with Tony Finau. So we've seen him make waves, right? He, he, he ties Tiger Woods' record at Canary Islands last week. He made a hole-in-one. Again, on the European Tour, he, he wins again. So uh, he just keeps on doing things well. Moving on to other guys I want to mention. I'm not going to go in great depth to Charlie Hoffman, but it's more of a recent form play. 
Keegan Bradley's going to be very chalky, and a lot of people are going to look to play him this weekend. I would rather just go down to Max Homa, to be honest. Um, it doesn't necessarily fit this course, but if we're going to look at Chalk Keegan Bradley, who could very easily make the cut and do well here, I would just go down to Max Homa, who who kind of has some of the similar parameters, just with with just terrible finishing positions at PGA Championships. He he does. So I mean, he's struggling recently, but I'm still gonna. I, I'd rather go that route with Max than with uh, Keegan Bradley. Um, of course, Charlie Hoffman. Going back to him, ninth in the last 36 rounds in approach, ninth in good drives, ninth in driving distance, and he's not getting a lot of love this this weekend either in terms of ownership. So Russell Henley, Billy Horschel, you know, Kokrak is going to be popular. These are all names. Grio, the, these are guys if you're MMEing, you know, get them in your lineups. I'm not sure that some of these guys are long enough. And I know I, I kind of emphasized that distance wasn't the say-all be-all, but you still need to be somewhat long if you're hitting in into, you know, 15, 20 mile per hour winds on any given day. So so going down here in this lower 7K range, you're looking at guys like Poulter, looking at guys like Grio, McIntyre, he's a name, I think, that, that people are going to have some interest based on the fact that, you know, he was popular in weeks before. So so we'll see where things kind of shake out in the 7K range. Looking at specifically the power rankings of this 7K range, it's interesting how it shakes out. So number one is Corey Connors by far. Number two in the 7K range, Paul Casey. Three is answer. Four is Keegan Bradley. And then we got a three-way tie for fifth place. The three-way tie for fifth place includes my guy, Cameron Tringale. Cameron, Sergio Garcia, and Jason Kokrak. And then that's when we're going up to Neiman, Griot, Harmon, Hoffman, Shane Lowry at 7,800, Adam Scott at 7,900, and of course, you know, we're looking at a lot of recent form, Gary Woodland at 7,500, so I like Corey Connors this week, I like Paul Casey this week, I, you know, I like Abraham Answer this week, Keegan Bradley um, is not so much, but still, I guess, a viable option if you get him on the right draw, so these are all great choices here in this 7K range, but the better question, the next question, who can we not play this weekend? No. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. No. 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 Hell no. Can't do it. Can't do it. Won't do it. This is the cut lines signature segment going over double digit ownership plays that we will not touch in our tournaments guaranteed prize pools or our three three maxes players that we have no interest in and that are currently projecting for double digit ownership a little bit of advice if any of these 6k guys project for double digit ownership and they are not mispriced which by the way i don't think any of them are fade right now guess what 
They're all single because we know how top-heavy this is. But we're going to start with our first can't do it, who surprisingly is looking at 10% currently, and that's Patrick Cantlay. I have a feeling that this number is going to go down, but guess what? We don't play Patrick Cantlay on the East Coast. It's just bad news. It doesn't work out for him. I'm not going to steal this, but uh, PJ Tout, you can follow him on Twitter. He's a really cool guy. He's a great guy. Make sure you follow him. He drew out the stats of can't lay on the East Coast versus can't lay everywhere else, and it's like night and day. So we're not going to touch touch can't lay. The next guy I'm going to mention here is Cameron Smith at $8,900. Currently projecting at 20% ownership. This is a guy who ranks 81st in my overall stat model, 71st in my aggregate model, 49th in my confidence model. We've never seen great success here at the PGA Championship. Look, 43rd in 2020, 64th in 2019, 56th in 2018, and a miscut in 2017. I don't want any piece of Cameron Smith. I don't. And I get it. I get why people do want to play Cameron Smith. Right? It makes sense. You saw him 9th at the RBC Heritage, 10th at the Masters, 17th at the Players, 11th at the WGC Mexico, 4th at the Genesis. In his last 10 rounds, he's gained strokes in every major statistical category, including T to Green, where where it's 3.6 in his last 5 strokes. Like, his finishing position is phenomenal, but his long-term form, the historical version of Cameron Smith, no thank you. Can't do it. And that's who I think showing up this weekend. That's going to be a missed cut. And if he makes the cut, it ain't going to help your lineups either because he'd be towards the bottom. The last can't do it play as of now, looking at ownership, is Keegan Bradley. Right now, we're looking at ownership that is in the middle of the teens. And this is anticipating that it's going to go up. I, I, I'm i looking at trends at the numbers on Fanshare Sports. And remember, I run those ownership models. And I think. Keegan Bradley's going to go up to like 17, 18, 19%. If that's the case, I can't do it. I can't eat chalk at a guy who's 7,300 when I have so many variety of options in the 7K range that I can get different. I could get different with Ricky Fowler if I really want to get crazy. Different with Cokes. Different with Billy Horschel, Russell Henley, Harmon, Wallace. You know, I, I talked about Garrick. I talked about Charlie Hoffman. So these are all alternative options to the 7,300 Keegan Bradley. If he comes back to bite me, so be it. He comes back to bite me. But listen, I have no interest in playing a 17, 18, 19% Keegan Bradley. Can't do it. All right, let's, so, so let's dive into that 6K range. Let's do it. Monsters and guarantees. Let's roll. <laughs> Martin Pillar. He is a monster. He is a monster. Miscut. Miscut. Martin Pillar. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. Miscut. Miscut. I guarantee he will make the cut. Martin Pillar. <laughs> A monster. I guarantee he will make the cut. So this is the MG Monsters and Guarantee where we look at the 6K range and predict our monsters, the players in this player pool of the 6K range that are going to finish top 25 or better, and we're going to go over some of the other plays that we like as well, fades as well. So looking at this 6K range, 
Thomas Peters missed the cut last weekend. I loved it. I called it. I made money on it. But now I'm going back to him this weekend. 2019, 23rd place. 2018, 6th place, following a missed cut in the 86th. I think Peters has the experience. He's been playing very well in Europe. I get that he missed the cut last weekend. I'm okay with that. But he's projecting well in my models now that he's got more rounds under his belt. Overall stat model number 30, aggregate model 39, confidence model number 51. All right, looking good as a course fit tool. So I'm most definitely going to go back to Thomas Peters this weekend, being that I faded him last weekend. It paid off. Hopefully it pays off the reversed effect this weekend. Ryan Palmer, I think, is going to be very, very popular right now, projecting at about 4 or 5%. I think that number is going to get somewhere near 7 In terms of metrics, he's always seemed to be popping pretty high, and he's very underpriced at, at just uh, $6,900. So, so it, it, it's something to think about. Stuart Sink's been on fire. You might want to go back to him, but he's not one of the MGs. Uh, the next guy I want to mention, though, who is an MG is Streelman and Schwartzel. Both have had recent form that have played very well. But the thing I like about Streelman, and again, this is a high-risk play, is he's been looking great off the tee and in approach. He's only made one cut at the PGA Championship, and that was last year. But in, in, in 2018, he missed the cut. 2016, he missed the cut. But still, I'll, I'll take those odds and that upside in the recent form that we've seen from Streelman. In terms of projection ranking, he ranks in the top 60, which is pretty nice for a guy who's 6,700. All right, so next guy I want to mention is Charles, uh, Charles Schwartzel. Schwartzel does not rank well in my overall stat model. Looks actually really bad with the lone exception of his recent form. But the proof's in the pudding. He's made four straight cuts here at the PGA Championship to where he just finds a way to grind and a way to get through it and a way to win. So um, he's not necessarily a viable option. He's not a guarantee. I just wanted to mention because he's right here just under Peters and above Streelman. So the... Final two guys that I want to mention are EVR, Eric Van Ruin, and Marty Laird. Um, I think there 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 is a lot of value there to play them, but like it comes not without its its high risk. So first of all, looking at Laird, um, about a forty five percent chance to miss the cut this week, so he's obviously very volatile, but the thing I like about him is the fact that he is in the top 25 like 14% of the time. So now here comes EVR. DraftKings possession-wise, you know, 63rd, it, it's nothing to write home about. But what I do love is that he's making a lot of cuts. And he actually has some win equity here in the simulator at just above 2%. And, of course, 11% and 22nd for top 10 and top 25 percentage. If that's hits and you're betting on that at Vegas – like it is going to be money, money to look at that range. Um, thing though is like real quick, if you, if you are coming down to this six K range, do your research, do your homework. There's a lot of guys down here and yes, it'll make you different. Don't get me wrong, but it could end your weekend really quickly. Uh, there's a reason that these guys are priced at the, at, at their certain particular price point. So make sure you take care of that before you, uh, submit those lineups. But that's it for the cut line. That is it. It's over. It's all over. Let's take it home. Oh, you men are all alike. 
seven or eight quick ones and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. That is the end of the PGA Championship Preview Show. It's over. It's all over again. Join us next week as the cut line breaks down the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial Golf Course. Yeah. That's a favorite, right? Colonial in Fort Worth, Texas. Another Texas course. Expect to see Jordan Speed. Needless to say, we'll see you guys next week. Thank you so much for spending your precious time with us. Thank you for listening. You guys make this show what it is. You make it rock. Make sure you guys go to fanchairsports.com, sign up for your ownership promotions, and make sure you go to cutlinegolf.com to see all that free content, including the new simulator. Let's get some wins. Get some green cash. Stash it. Sunday. Woo!